Everybody, happy new year I know it's three months into the new year but I have this is my first podcast episode of 2018 and this is BSing with Sean K and I am Sean Neese for those who don't know and the episode I'm gonna play for you today is episode 63 and for those of you who this is your first time listening to the podcast. What I do is I talk with people who live outside the box and are doing their own thing. Musicians, poets, activists, bloggers, anybody who's walking their own path and not going along with the crowd, not going along with the mainstream. And I also like to offer a platform for alternative perspectives or perspectives that aren't often heard in the mainstream media. For this episode, I had my friend Sebastian, who's also my floor mate. He lives in the same uh, building with me, and there's like a communal kitchen, so we, we talked a lot when we'd go and get food in the kitchen, and we started uh, getting into these political debates, and like he, he said that, I mean, he's he's a drummer, and he's a jazz drummer, and that's what he starts off talking about in the interview, but what he really wanted to get talking about is how his political beliefs have shifted more towards being conservative lately and we got into some debates because i'm i don't want to label myself on the left like i lean more left in a lot of ways but you know i'm just i have my own opinions about things and so we talked about abortion and some other uh controversial topics so that's most of the episode. I mean, it starts off talking about uh, his music and his interest in martial arts. But uh, yeah, anyway, here it is, and I hope you enjoy it. All right, and we're live. Well, not live, pre-recorded, BSing with Sean K. Yeah. I'm your host, Sean Neese, here with Sebastian Belliard. He's a musician and uh, jazz musician. Yeah, I'm a... Uh... Uh, jazz drummer uh, at Hunter College here in Manhattan and I've been doing that for just one semester and this semester uh, so the past semester and this semester before that I was doing engineering so it was kind of a big switch to and I've already told you that I think that I made that switch from engineering from music engineering or just, just like, regular engineering? I, I, trying, yeah. I was trying to do mechanical engineering because I wanted mm -hmm. to do aerospace and I was you know very science and math inclinated but uh, yeah, then I just I, I just saw the the type of lifestyle that you live when you do engineering, and I, I was also at the same time seeing people living out the lifestyle of a more creative field, and I was seeing both of them, and I just decided that the music would have called me more. And it's riskier, but I'm young, so I could still do risky stuff. Yeah, it's more uh, liberating, I guess. When like you have a like me too i'm a creative person like to to just be confined to sort of that conforming world i guess is hard to, to yeah yeah and i mean every i think everybody wants to to do something uh, 
some something that that they're good at creatively that can be music or it can be other other things but the big uh, the big thing that was holding me back is that you know you're 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 scared and you're afraid that you're like going the next job is all yeah you don't you you're not nearly good enough to be in this like who the fuck do you oh can I curse yeah yeah who the fuck do you think you you are like trying to trying to join this field like you got what it takes and uh, everybody even the, well, the ones who do have what it takes think that I think they right. must at the beginning at least and you know I'm trying to work as hard as I can to get better and that's the only thing I can really aim at so what got you into music originally you, you came here from uh, Chile right? from Did Chile you... yeah I lived 12 years in Chile I think my father my dad was the the biggest uh, influence musically on me because he would be playing jazz and a lot of a lot of music around the house and uh, my my brother picked up on that uh, as well and because he was my big brother he was like a, a secondary paternal figure to me so he also pushed the music thing on me uh, like getting me to think about it more critically not just about like enjoying it but saying this is quality music this is non-quality and I think getting that way of thinking got me into like really focusing on, on, on music uh, rather than just uh, liking listening to it and you're in a jazz band now right you said you're trying yeah to it. yeah because I'm a, I'm a music major like a lot of doors open for you to to join a lot of you know groups that are technically classes that give you credit for stuff but yeah um, that's one jazz band at hunter a pop band uh, at hunter uh, two jazz bands at Lincoln Center where it's associated with Fordham University uh, they're not music majors but they're still pretty good and, and, and the faculty at working at the Lincoln Center are like pros at their mm. at their top of their game basically so what stands out about uh, jazz as a genre just like the technicality to it or um, well, I know there's different kinds of jazz some is more yeah. you know s structured and others is more imp improv yeah but the thing that, that makes jazz jazz I think is it's two two things. I think it's uh, everybody who's in the jazz field has some interest in wanting to push it further or change it, and some or, or or really explore what's possible that hasn't been done in jazz. Like that's the the point. It was a it was a diversion from from mainstream like classical instruments, and it was mixing them and kind of bastardizing them uh, in the in the U.S. by by a lot of black people, which was cool, and. I think everybody still has that. Well, everybody. <laughs> I guess we'll wait till. It's not. Yeah. Everybody in the jazz field has that drive, and it's it's pretty much required for jazz tune, kind of, to involve some some element of improvisation, in it. and that's that's what I really like, cause it's. Like, it's like fighting, which I also like. I like mixed martial arts. It's kind of like fighting, because. Uh, Fighting is not like a dance where you, you, you learn to use your body, but you don't do it to do one specific choreography or one specific movement. You learn to be good at moving in general and be good at punching and, and doing all these hits in general so that you can, in the moment, react against somebody and create. It's creative. To fight is pretty creative because you, you have to be generally good and then be able to call those skills forward in the moment to you know for whatever is necessary the yeah, same thing if someone attacks you you don't know yeah, yeah. what they're gonna do <laughs> it, like that's why in the early days of MMA all the the really like traditional uh, uh, disciplines of martial arts like uh, 
all the like on, like only karate people and only like taekwondo people who don't use their arms they're like only kicking and have a very specific stance they're ready for taekwondo kicks and they're ready for karate uh, movements and, and but in MMA uh, you had all these people that were just good at fighting and like submitting people and they completely destroyed the karate people so relating this back to music what that was is that with with a lot of music like rock uh, and like specific subgenres of rock, uh, they, they lock into to to very specific uh, rhythmic patterns and scales, and they stay there. And and usually some genres just have the same message, like punk rock or or, or goth shit. And usually has the same message, like um, intellectually, not just like musically, that the tone and the flavor. But in jazz, what makes it special in my opinion is that it's like fighting where everybody just builds up their skills generally and tries to get good not just at swing or at rock like backbeat backbeat like just at their instrument in general they get good at it and then in the moment ideally they try to create something new with their own it's like way more creative so it's like you mean like it, it doesn't follow any structures just like taking the skills from everything rather than yeah, but I mean, you don't you don't obviously throw structure out completely. Yeah. When you learn jazz, you learn classical like seventh chords and eleventh chords that are very specific jazzy, soundy type things. You learn swing for the drums, da 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 da, which is like, because that's how jazz started. I think that's how people when they when jazz first came up, they were like, oh, that's the sound that jazz is. But now, the really like front frontier people like my 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 favorite drummer Antonio Sanchez he can play all that like classic jazz stuff but what what he's really interested in is just like putting what's in his brain purely creatively out into like his own type of music and that's what I like that jazz lets you do and that's interesting though that you brought up uh punk because a lot of punk was started kind of like is rebelling but like in the opposite way that they found it more liberating to just go back to basics and kind of just express yeah. what they were feeling like in a raw kind of just like this is what i feel yeah like. yeah yeah exactly yeah so it's just interesting there's different ways of doing that like breaking the structure and that you're saying like jazz kind of broke a structure in an opposite in an opposite way because it yeah. broke the structure to say let's get more serious about what it's possible with with music rather than say uh, fuck all the preconceived notions of what's beautiful and whatever. I'm just gonna play a dirty chord on my guitar <laughs> and have the drummer just break yeah. his arms on the on the yeah. on the cymbals. Like that's cool and it's different and it's good that you come up with something new. But I think yeah, jazz... I remember you like my uh, Ramon shirt. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think jazz as a movement in general is like the the statement of saying let's let's just in general push it further not push it further in this specific way you know yeah that's why i like it so um yeah it's interesting there's also like a, a lot of certain like metal drummers that have like jazz backgrounds and stuff like, really? and they kind of throw yeah um i think it was the drummer of cryptopsy uh, mm-hmm. I, i'm not sure, sure like I, I can't think off the top of my yeah, head yeah. which ones but like they, the ones that kind of where a lot of like metal drummers also were into like doing jazz drumming yeah. I mean, metal metal drummers are really, and I think, in a different level physically, uh, as what is demanded of them in the song, because it's like it's into in intellectually. I hate I hate using that because it sounds like I'm a, an elitist, but 
like it's not that complicated what they do groove wise or it isn't that hard to think of or conceive of uh, but to actually pull it off with your body it's insane they do it they do very uh, loud things and very fast things and it's very, it's very impressive I have a friend in Maryland who uh, isn't like a metal drummer but he's in a lot of bands that are like more hard and, and punk and rock based and his 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 hands his skill like you, there's a tightness that I don't I don't yet have because he's just been drilling those certain grooves for a while and he he just his body just got used to it in a very punchy way that I think pretty much every metal drummer is gonna have because if they're gonna play that one rhythm they have to play it really fast really fast really yeah. well really punchy without sounding like it's a mistake and yeah they get really beast. yeah well then there was like the slower uh, like they like of course like going back Black Sabbath and stuff the kind of slow yeah. uh, metal like I mean there's still some of that today but um well I guess they, they were more like blues kind of influenced Black Sabbath the, the drummer yeah. Black Sabbath was really good though I thought that oh you, I don't yeah, know, I don't know. I'm much. not that familiar with uh, I'm not really actually not at all really familiar with names of fucking anybody I, every time like it's, it's been it's been pretty frustrating in music school everybody keeps name dropping like all these especially so, so who are your favorites like uh, Miles Davis maybe or? I mean yeah that, exactly that's like classic jazz a lot of people name drop a lot of those guys and I know like the, the typical Miles Davis like David Brubeck all those standard guys who like it's established the genre but all these people who have been growing up with like their identity has been liking jazz for a while. My identity hasn't been really liking jazz. Like I was doing fucking engineering. I like jazz, but I wasn't like into it. So everybody, everybody, I feel like has a lot more technical knowledge on what, what people that are playing in, in any genre really. I think generally I'm pretty ignorant <laughs> when it comes to that. But uh, I think uh, I think I'm creative enough, and 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 I and I work hard enough with the drums where people. Uh, like it, it doesn't drag me down that I don't know that much about who's playing what and who did what. And, and um, so, what about in Chile? What was popular? Was there a lot of jazz there? <sighs> well, I hear now that the, the jazz scene from Chile is insane, and and some of the most skilled, like some really skilled people, come out of, of Chile. I've been hearing now, but back then, really, I was a kid in Chile. Like, I was only twelve when I left, so mm. and, and I lived in in a kind of an isolated not isolated part of town but like was it like rural kind of kind of kind of suburban not really it's like a, a little more rural than like what union unions uh union street is in brooklyn like that type of more it was pretty rich i guess uh, so it was relaxed and 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 I would, I would drive to school so i would just see school and home basically i wasn't like yeah, I wasn't really living outside. I was living inside places in Chile. So I wasn't, and I wasn't very exposed to to culture that like people of my age really liked. Cause I don't know. I guess I I was I don't know. I I I can't really pick out the reasons why I didn't. But I didn't engage in the Chilean culture as much as I as I maybe should have. But I did engage in a lot of culture that my parents and my my siblings basically brought onto me. And a lot of that was international and Caribbean and, and Latin music that definitely influences what I like and how I play, I think, the drums as well. So it kind of transcends, I guess, like music and everything. Yeah, because yeah. even, even I was ignorant, I was ignorant culturally <laughs> to what people, I don't know how to put this, 
but I was still interested in music culture. But I didn't ha I didn't access it the way most people do. I guess I just did it through my parents. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and you were mentioning uh, martial arts, so that's like your other passion besides music. Or? Yeah, and that's also very recent. Um, really, it was in my first year of college. I didn't have any friends, and I and I I I just didn't do anything. I just I knew I had classes, and then I was in my dorm. And I was walking through a club fair once, and I saw like the boxing gloves, and I was I was always out of shape, and I was always slow and not not strong, and I wasn't one like a very competitive kid, uh, sports wise, in any way. Um, kind of identified with that too, but yeah, I said, you know what, fuck it, let me let me see what this boxing thing is, and I just showed up with. Uh, I asked them like, should I bring should I bring sports gear? Or just like, is it like just fighting? Like, I didn't I didn't know anything, so I got there and everybody was in incredible shape, and I was just running out of, out of breath, and it, it it was like it it woke me up to how out of shape I was. But you know, I didn't have any friends, so I just showed up every time, every every practice. I never missed it, and uh, I just I just my it made sense to my body, and 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 it's something that I lacked definitely in my life, and I think a lot of now, this is going to be more of a complaint about society, but I think uh, in modern Western, especially in the U.S., men are are I think discouraged being discouraged slowly from mass classically masculine activities like uh, violence and like uh, just using your body and and it has this connotation of your your sports douche, your sports bro. If you like watching MMA and if you, but it's really it's just it's just you're you're in this body. This is it's your property and taking care of it and be, being as proficient as you can with it is great. That's why I actually moved on from boxing to MMA because boxing is, is like a, again kind of like jazz. <laughs> and <clears throat> boxing is just like a specific genre of body movement for self defense, I think. And then MMA, you know, seeing Conor McGregor fighting, just uh, the, the way he moves, he just mastered his own body. He didn't master boxing or he didn't master jujitsu or he didn't master grappling he mastered like moving his body in a way that nobody else can top and that that motivated motivates me to to go to the gym and, and work on, on my own way of, of, of moving and, and finding my own way of understanding how my body moves and, and getting better at moving my own body and that's that's what I what I really get from MMA more than like a I want to see this guy fuck this guy up yeah. although that, that's also cool I do want to see guys fucking each other up but um so you were you were saying uh, before the interview like you're you're going through this uh, thing where your right. politics are kind of shifting yeah. in a direction that's different from your peers and your family and you mentioned the whole like you think masculinity's going away in the West is that part well maybe just elaborate on what you mean by that and what you mean by you know masculinity I guess that can mean different things well really all I know is that it happened to me and that. I know that the people I admire are talking about the fact that it's happening. That that I mean, it, it, we're we've definitely gone from a very come from a very patriarchal place as a society. The, I'm mean, gonna just talking about the U.S. for now, uh, and you know it got us to a, a this point of of a very rampant and and successful capitalism and capitalist system. You you guys have a lot of money here. And a lot of good infrastructure and a lot of good uh, laws that keep everybody in in, in, a, in a in a moral. Nah, I mean, a law that is very 
moral compared to a lot of places in the world where they, their laws aren't set up the way that, that, it, that it is here with the differences of, of power of the government and due process and all that. And just historically, the U.S. has been so much more stable than, than a lot of other countries. But besides all of that, um, in my life, I, I, I grew up basically in Chile with my parents, and my parents were already very liberally inclined to think about things like you know, healthcare. And, and I mean, it, it doesn't, doesn't matter. The issues were a little more left-leaning, and so coming into the U.S., then I had to kind of relate to the left the left-leaning side of everything and UNIS, United Nations International School, or it was my high school here in uh, my middle school and high school here in New York uh, everybody said that it was like a bubble uh, and, it, and, and it was because most people there are you know children of very privileged people including myself and those people tended to think in that way for some reason and 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 because it was so multicultural it, it was sensitive and you had to have that environment where you you, you you're pushing for progressive values rather than like Christ, Christianity and stuff like that. Well, I, I grew up basically in a country that is Christian. I grew up like singing sermons in, in school, and I had to completely, I, I willingly completely fought against that. Like I went all rebellious and all atheist, and you know, the, with my generation entering the internet, basically all of us talking to talking to each other, saying, "Yeah, fuck." religion it sucks like atheism uh, look at all these scientists are they're so cool they're discovering how reality works and the religion's just against that and just straw manning all all the things that are traditional slowly and <clears throat> i think in that way i lost because tra I, th I do think traditions are traditions for a reason they're there because they've been working and i definitely went in a direction where it was all, like complete abandoning and denial of, of everything and uh eventually like uh, a year before college too while I was already in inside college and especially in the Maryland college campus which is like a classical college campus with all the very politically correct uh, like the first two weeks of, of college I, I started getting like sermoned on gender fluidity and just getting like uh, all these groups give a, like sit us down in a, in a I think it was a mandatory class for like freshmen who were entering and telling us this is what you have to be sensitive about. This is a, this is a new world. This is not how gender works. Gender works liquid, like, and and none of the scientific community ha has any saying really in this. But they presented it like it was the, this is how humanity is understood now, and, and that's just gender. There's other stuff that's more subtle and a little more contentious. If I just casually say that it's wrong, people might might hear and say, Hey, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> but uh, it starts there. It starts in the very crazy shit that's taken as normal in college campuses and then once you say okay that doesn't make that, that much more sense but I, I held it as a belief what else am I holding as a, as a belief that that has just been I have been assuming because I grew up in this sphere uh, uninterrupted yeah well I thought it was interesting though that you brought up um, like masculinity going away because I, I thought I mean and correct me if I'm wrong. I know like a lot of Latin cultures, like machismo. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a big thing for yeah. sure. And I, I, I looked down on that uh, during my enlightenment in well, the U.S. Well, maybe did it sometimes go? Does that sometimes go to the other extreme? Maybe like disrespecting women just should be in the kitchen. Kind of serve maybe kind of a balance is what you're talking about. I mean, like, I think it's yeah, smart. yeah. You can't go all the way to the other side, but I do think human beings as animals. Uh, 
I mean, I don't know human. It's just men as 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 a biological creature do require certain activities and certain yeah certain certain daily things that you do to keep you healthy in your brain and in your body. And I think those things include uh, you know some some type of self confidence, some type of masculinity, yeah. just saying like fuck you fuck yeah I'm the shit dude yeah. and like. And you don't have to believe it in a conscious way and really think that you're superior to other people yeah. or, 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 or really be violent in, in, in like a logical sense. But just uh, discover that, that, that dangerous side of yourself and put it under control. And I think, I think I heard this from Jordan Peterson. I don't did I mention that? I, I've, I've heard of him. I've actually never looked yeah, at his stuff. Jordan Peterson, who, who, who I listen to a lot, he, he said it like this. He said... You, if you're incapable of of harm, if you're incapable of danger, and you're incapable of, of, of harming somebody else, then you're not virtuous. Because it's not like you could hurt me and you're not hurting me because you're a good person. It's just even if you wanted to, you couldn't because you're you're just pathetic. You can't you, you can't get anything done. <laughs> but if you develop, if if you this is both psychologically just seeing how fucked up you can be and how how much of a bad person, how much of a bad human being you can become, understanding that. You are a Nazi uh, as much as all of the Nazis that have existed. You are the same animal. And understanding that danger <laughs> and also harnessing it physically as, a, as an exercise, that's another thing. But having that... Funny thing to say to a Jewish guy. I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, knowing that that exists and then controlling it and putting it under wraps and being a civilized human being, I think is the more virtuous position than just denying all those sides of yourself and being like a half man essentially hmm. I guess see but does it do you think it necessarily has to be a male female thing or is it just like everybody should have assertive because like I would want a woman to stick up for herself and not yeah. take shit too but yeah. like I, I maybe there's been kind of this because we had the you know more of a patriarchal society before and everything now like people don't know where to go from yeah. that so there's this kind of like now it's like oh well all of that's bad well maybe not all yeah. of that's bad maybe it can just be restructured in a different way where it's not like oh women have to be have to be like in the kitchen yeah. doing this but like at the same time like asserting yourself or like staying in shape taking care of your body like there's yeah. nothing wrong with that either or you know having principles having yeah. confidence you know and just being sensitive and like hurt all the time by things like yeah. there's no virtue in that to me, being like truly sensitive is understanding other people's emotions, being empathetic, not just like, oh, I'm hurt all the time, yeah. I'm offended, ooh, poor me, you know, that's yeah. just and that. <laughs> that. That way I think the, the lack of, of, of masculinity in, in, in society in general isn't just effect, affecting men. I think, I mean, women need paternal masculine role models as well. It's not like men should just mm. focus on being masculine and women should focus on being feminine. That's yeah. obviously... Well, do you think maybe the there's... It, the problem is, like, with those work... Because, like, uh, I know, like, maybe some people might list this be like, oh, they're talking about, like, you know, like, men role... But, like, mas masculine... May maybe, like, there's a different word, so... It could be either gender, like... Yeah, it's... Ma it, masculinity is... Encompasses many, I think, behaviors and attitudes, and men tend to be... Well, quite overwhelmingly men tend to be much more masculine than women it's a it's, a, it's just a statistical fact and um, but uh yeah i mean i don't know 
uh, just clearing that up that it isn't that men are the masculinity is being a man is that being a man involves a lot of masculinity usually or most of the time and when it does it usually it's it's more harmonious it works at, at least for me I guess uh, a more feminine existence for me was very um, full of anxiety and tension and just like not knowing what I'm capable of and just feeling like useless uh, and then kind of flipping the other way uh, just just made me feel more in the earth just made me feel more in the universe like it makes sense this is what I am biologically this is what I'm supposed how I'm supposed to be manifesting in some way like I didn't I, I would have looked down on myself now as like yeah. a 16 year old seeing myself like oh you like MMA and all this shit you're being all masculine and trying to yeah, and like wearing it's so stupid like I'm just I'm wearing leather jackets and stuff and that's considered uh, masculine as a fashion choice I guess but that's the thing I am wearing wearing the leather jacket knowing that it's a more like rough thing to wear and knowingly I am accepting that I'm becoming a little and a little more of this archetype and I, I, it's not really inside of me in my psyche but I'm changing my psyche to embody a more masculine archetype. I think I'm doing that on purpose because it ends up feeling more harmonious with how I biologically manifest in the universe. I feel it, it's a little more in line and there's less tension and anxiety when I accept that that's like my gender role, kind of. I'm not, and it sounds like I'm saying go to the fucking kitchen and, and, and yeah. stick to your gender role, <laughs> but I think you should at least try it. Because if you go your whole life denying your gender role, and and you don't and and maybe you find out that you would have really fit in there. Uh, you'll just live your life with. Well, do you, do you think maybe what you're talking about more is like confidence, being sure of who you are, not and like. But yeah, but confidence. Yeah. I don't think confidence is necessarily masculine. I'm saying by, just in my experience, by becoming more masculine, hmm. my confidence, and 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 just knowing that I'm I'm, sure. that I'm succeeding in doing the things that I'm aiming at doing. Uh, are coming out well and I think that could happen yeah. with a woman as well where where yeah. maybe they've been taught that uh, I don't know that, that that wearing certain clothes is is very girly and you shouldn't try to be a girl and, and they just feel like very like I don't know uh, sterile in their expression and uh, they're trying to find some kind of I think that's yeah. also the big but, the, but then, you know there's sometimes there's girls that like wearing the leather jackets and all that stuff so yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean maybe that's more the accept but like there's different it's whatever is you naturally is what I think like when you're into yeah yeah like uh, I don't think my sister's gonna hear this but my sister she's a she she grew up kind of uh, counterculture like trying to be like hating on, on really really girly things uh, I mean I think that was more, more my mother my mother uh, liked more masculine things as she grew up my sister really like wearing dresses and like classically female things and if my sister would have completely denied herself of that through, from an ideological place, she would she would be very unhappy, I think. Mm. And I, all I'm saying is that I yeah. think culture and society can ideologically influence who you think you should be. And I think, at least for men, I'm, I'm not sure about how, how women are operating yeah. nowadays, but for men, we are slowly being encouraged to, to not really pursue masculine... Uh, traits. So the, you, you think that, so you're saying in your schools it was actively like, don't do anything that's masculine. Like, don't work out, don't do anything. Well, it wasn't explicitly um, 
suppressed, but I would say it wasn't encouraged at all. And I think that's important because kids don't don't just they do, but they don't some most of the times figure out what they're supposed to do mm. usually. So I, you do need an encouraging force to tell you kind of what you should mm. be doing in, the, in this universe. Yeah. Part of the reason why I think a lot of fatherless households end up having kids with depression and like uh, huge levels of anxiety and other problems. I can't remember statistics right now. But yeah, fatherless homes or just single parent households, when there's an imbalance on the amount of femininity and masculinity and gender roles, when there's uh, when you're lacking something, you live uh, a half life in a certain sense. Uh, you don't like the, the the role of the father doesn't have to be your biological father or the role of the mother doesn't have to be your biological mother that can be spread throughout society that's what people say it takes a tribe to raise a child well and, maybe we're kind of in between structures now because like the old 1950 ways it's gone maybe we're looking for now that you know more people have rights just we're trying to restructure yeah, society definitely. in that way that's that's because like I th- we, we have to go forward not backwards like maybe we just need some kind of new structures, what I think. I definitely think we, we're already over the line, though. I think we already have to step it back a little bit because I, I see too many... I, I don't see this in Chile, where it's a little more uh, like traditional yeah, traditional yeah. values, and, and I don't see this in the, in the Dominican Republic, although I do have a limited amount of experience there. But I, I, I see in the U.S. definitely that men are being socialized into being weaker than they could the, the weaker than they really are I think they could be much stronger but they don't know it because they were never truly encouraged because of many complicated reasons including um, including culture I think hmm. and media yeah it's interesting maybe it's because uh, yeah see I finished high school 2007 maybe it was like a very different thing I was being taught because like it was also the post 9-11 era mm. that I was going to high school so it was very like the rebellious thing to do was to like question like Americans, like everybody yeah, wanted to be patriotic because the Iraq war, like, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, support bombing people, like, even though that country had nothing to do with 9-11. Yeah. But like, and actually from what I remember, like, it was more like the opposite that I saw, like this, the kind of macho douchebag, like, hey, you're gay, yeah. faggot, let me yeah, punch yeah. you, throw you in a lot, you know. I, so I wasn't seeing like as much of what you're talking about. You're right. Yeah. The switch hadn't happened there yet, uh, yeah. uh, and it makes sense. Everybody was doing the counterculture to that, and uh, like I said, I think we've gone over the line at this point. And now at this point, the counterculture, which I'm being exposed to more and more, just go on YouTube and go to the counterculture sources, um, basically for this uh, Jordan Peterson's one. And, and notice that right now the mainstream is in the, I think too much in the, in the against America and against masculinity and against a lot of traditional values like Christianity and, and fucking personal responsibility and, and you know, chasing your So it's what you're that. saying is like you, you think that people should be able to be as masculine or feminine as they as an individual feel they should be, like within them. Because I, I was just thinking about, like, um, David, you know who David Bowie was, like, he'd dress yeah, yeah. up and everything, he'd do yeah. stuff that were, like, considered feminine, but he was sort of just, like, I don't know, he had this, like, I don't give a shit, like... Yeah, he was trying to be, like, whatever he felt was right for for him, but I also think there's there's a, there's a, 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 a den to fall into there, 
because if if you just let uh, I mean this sounds so tyrannical but I was I was trying to be who I thought was the best person for me to be you know that's yeah. who I thought was right I thought a very passive person who, who doesn't uh, offend and, 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 and it's just respectful and never asks for anything I thought that was the ideal human I wasn't even thinking in terms of man or female I actually I remember to my friends I once said you know what now that I think about it really it do, being a man doesn't mean anything besides from biologically just that I have a penis like I uh, what's the difference like I, I, I was not my best subjects right right I but I was I was ignoring clear like all of my childhood and all the traditional knowledge that I have that obviously men and women are different obviously we react so this was once you things. this is once you went to, to schools in, in the United States oh, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't that in Chile because you no. said it was more traditional. In Chile, in Chile, it's the status quo to understand that that that, that fem females be generally behave way different than men, and and, and we have roles that comp we complement each other and our faults together, and it's fucking it's beautiful. That's why yeah. love can be beautiful in that heterosexual way. No offense to to the to the to the gay people out there because you guys are cool as well, but. Uh, there's something about when someone I mean even gay people can be one of them is, is more masculine one yeah. of them is more feminine it's yeah they that, have bears and uh, the other and the, and the lesbian has well, like the, yeah, yeah well, that's more in the, in the sexual act and, and physically yeah. but definitely there, when there's when there's asymmetry and two different people complete that yin yang is it, something that, that, that's beautiful and in the US everybody's trying to be just I think either going to one side of the yang or just being like flat and like featureless and I, and I think it's important for you to decide I'm just, I'm gonna play a role I'm gonna be a certain thing I'm gonna be one side of the spectrum yeah so you think this is like a majority because I, I still like because I, I don't I, most people I see like they don't seem to be radical like either way like left wing right winger like most average people like you you do go out and walk to the store or whatever I think average people yeah. depends on the age that's the thing like you know you because you grew up in a different time where the counterculture was different I think people are our age I mean my age like 20 something people right now are in in the majority of of uh, of kind of denying tra tradition and denying um, you know everything that we've just been talking mm -hmm. about I think so I would say the majority of the people my age but uh, adults are still I think hanging on to some, to some of that but because they in part were part of the counterculture movement they are also the, the ones who kind of start started the whole thing which is why I'm having a bit of tension with my parents over over <laughs> over Skype where, where they mention something slightly political and I just don't react and they know it's because if I have a different opinion on something and that that's gonna un, unfold someday when we're in person, but not yet. <laughs> so, what were some of the like other things your mind was changing on? I know you said you were getting more conservative in general, or yeah. like, more more like economically <laughs> conservative, or like conservative. Yeah, conservative. pretty much. I just I can't convince myself to go back to the positions I was holding before, uh, and I'm I'm gonna list them, and and if, if anybody hears it that knows me, I'm sorry. Uh, but things like just abortion, I completely 180 in uh, from the left to the right. Um, and abortion, uh, a lot of my perspectives in, in trans issues changed. Not not saying that I don't believe in, in, in that trans people exist or anything like that. I'm not I'm not like a 
I'm not a, 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 a bigot. Don't don't straw man me into that. But uh, what else? I mean, yeah. Generally, I don't hate capitalism like the way I used to, or the U.S. as a country uh, at all. Like I was pretty much brought up to to fucking hate. And Chile especially has a lot of resentment because we were trying to be a communist country. Well, and then with with uh, yeah with uh, Salvador Allende, we were trying to be a communist. I mean, socialist state. And then Pinochet came in, and the CIA was definitely involved in all that. So we hold a lot of resentment in general for capitalism, and even though that we're kind of out of poverty now because we're we hold a, a free market. But uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of things like that. Uh, gun control. I, I more recently I've been really solidifying my my position in that because of the shooting, and I've been hearing more more on the right side, and I, I guess I am more on the right side of gun control in the U.S. Because it, the the circumstance varies from country to country, but I think the U.S. is, it's uh, the correct position is leaning more towards the the right, not fully, but. Yeah. So do you think there's like middle ground with any of these issues? Because even with the abortion at this point, there's just Roe v. Wade, which is you know if if it's late term they can't do it, but if it's yeah. just a cell and it's still. I think that's bullshit. I think. You, so you think the, even when it's just a cell, it's the same drawing, as drawing. Uh, drawing the line somewhere in development, it I think, every line that you draw is not convincing. It's not. It's arbitrary because there's always going to be a question as to why the fuck did you put that line there, and they'll say something like, "Okay, the 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 heart starts beating." But what does it matter that the heart starts beating? You, you, you're not letting a human being from forming. That's, I mean, we can get into the actual argument of, of why it might be wrong or not. But I, I do think that legally it's a mess right now and not a good compromise for what I think is, is morally just what's happening with abortion. And as a compromise, I think, that, that I think is reasonable would would just be the if it's the 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 life of the mom uh, the mother or yeah the life of the mother is clear like explicitly in danger from a birth the mother's the mother's right to self preservation supersedes the right of the infant to infant to be born I think that's the only compromise that uh, that that is reasonable because in in any other it's by choice uh, not taking responsibility for, oh, I mean this sounds horrible because you. you People are gonna think I think all these things that I don't think because of the language that I'm using. Yeah. But a lot, if you if you let this late term abortion type thing, if you let late term abortions happen, you're going to get people who are just avoiding responsibility and who. What well, I think that the, don't that, that was the Roe v. Wade though is that like at a certain uh, late term. I mean, I'm not an expert on it, but yeah. like in a late term, they can't do it. But when it's just yeah. a cell. Like in the early stages, they can. Okay, so I mean, I my problem with that is that what's wrong with murder isn't that someone's being hurt. It isn't that they know they're being killed. That's not what's wrong with murder. What's wrong with murder is that you're depriving someone of the, their right, God-given right to exist. If someone's in a coma, if someone's sleeping, and their their nervous system isn't gonna react like you say. Okay, the baby hasn't developed a nervous yeah. system. There are uh, cells with just DNA. Uh, the reason you don't kill someone is not so that they don't they don't feel that pain and so they don't know it and so that the people that know them are gonna be sad is because that person has a right to to exist in the universe and and that's the the fundamental golden rule that you don't get to decide that for. Those See, people. but then if you go that far, it's like all right. So before it's a cell, when you're just um, 
like say someone has like protected sex with someone mm-hmm. or they jerk off. off yeah yeah Jane it's off. like there's the the cell that could have yeah. technically went and created a baby like yeah. is that that's the, that's the difference that's the big difference and and that's why i don't like when people use uh, the term potential of life because they're using it wrong when a baby when the zygote has formed let's let's get a little more scientific when the dna of the baby unique dna that determines a new unique hair color combination of facial features that that happens at conception that's a zygote that forms once that happens there isn't the 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 potential for life there is the inevitability of life it's going to happen before that it's the potential when the human beings when you have just the sperm and the egg and the individual bodies and they're making their decisions that's the potential for life and if someone doesn't decide to have sex that isn't murdering someone once the life is inevitable once it forms into the zygote and the dna is unique and it's trying to uh, manifest itself in the universe and you consciously stop that inevitable process you have forced that life to stop so it doesn't matter when you do it in the development in every stage after conception you stop something that was going to happen 100% I mean unless I mean 1% there's a failure but you don't you don't account for that you assume the baby's gonna be born and you are boarding it it's it's different from deciding not to have it because it's going to happen so should the like woman have any choice about it? like what about birth control or like what type of birth control like birth control pills like so they can have sex and everything but they don't necessarily want to have a kid well I'm not that well versed on what how birth control works I know there's different types one of them is uh, denying the egg from releasing and so denying conception from ever taking place but then there's also once conception took place I think there's a I don't know if the morning after pill does this but if it did let's assume it did if the morning after pill comes in and destroys that, that zygote it doesn't feel like it it doesn't seem like it you don't get the same emotional response but you have morally and logically done the same thing of stopping in life as it's already started the life already started uh, building itself and you just you, you stopped it uh, consciously and I do think that it doesn't feel like it at all but it's not morally consistent to say oh we're not doing anything you are you're stopping a fully fledged human being from living out its entire life and it was going to uh, and it's not that you decided not to it's that you actively decided to kill it it's different from deciding not to do something and deciding to do something you know what I mean so then the woman like so you don't think the woman should have any choice about whether she has kids or wants to have kids or... well she she does have choice but then that's just like the guy can have all the sex he wants and like the woman can't but sex is sex is, cons- is mutually consensual if it's legal it's mutually consensual I mean that's the thing people use the, the, the example of rape but that's those are extreme cases trying to justify the general case of legalized abortion I'm talking so what about if the, the what if the guy like so if the guy gets to go pregnant does he have to take care of her too or is it just the woman like legally if a guy gets the girl pregnant do you think it should be his responsibility to take care of that child too like legally I mean okay legal, what do you mean legally like now they have to get married after like what or like he has to like support the child in some way I think that's right yeah that's reasonable are you kidding me if, if you're having sex uh, you should be ready to take care of a child because the alternative is that you're not ready to take care of a child and you're gonna murder someone yeah. so when you have sex know or, or, or be accepting in some way listen if a fucking baby pops out of this 
Yeah. We're, I'm gonna have to take responsibility for it. This is the price I'm paying for wanting to have sex this early and, and you know, and, and partaking in this. But uh, the alternative is worse. The alternative so even makes using, you So even using the protections to stop it so it doesn't uh, happen to like decrease the chances of yeah, yeah. It's great that you decrease the chances and all that but because it decreases the chance you don't now you don't have a right now to suddenly start killing people because the method that you trusted and failed you you know it's just your error your error of not taking responsibility and then you fuck up and you say well let's rectify this by doing something that is morally reprehensible but I don't feel it emotionally as much because it's a babe you don't see it you don't even hear it but it's the same cons philosophical concept of your depriving life from happening and and the reason you kill people isn't because it makes you feel bad or because it's, it's it looks ugly or because they feel pain or or because the people that knew them aren't gonna be able to talk to them anymore that's not why you don't kill, you kill people you don't kill people because they have a right to their own life and you have your, your right to your own life and that's it that's where it ends you don't get to talk about anybody else's right to life if their life is already there because that's now they're right. And I, I know a lot of people that like to say that women should have uh, should have ownership of their body, but the whole thing that that statement is doing is completely denying the concept that the baby is its own body. It's a response to that in a way. It's like, oh, it's the woman's body. But is it? Like, that? that's what we should talk about it. We shouldn't just completely uh, assume, oh yeah, I guess the baby is the woman's body. A woman should have a right to her body. The whole point of a baby is that it's a new thing. And, and, and that's why I think a lot of people get to uh, do some mental gymnastics to try to justify it. But it's, it's just a, a new person. It's a new person that's going to be born and, and you're killing it. So would you say the same like about the death penalty or I guess, you know, a lot of the wars, foreign interventions where we kill babies like in other countries and stuff? Yeah, I mean, the death penalty, I think, makes sense with very like when when you lose your right to live in this world because you've done you've broken the rule but there's still a small chance that you're killing someone who didn't commit the crime and yeah to me it's like even that small chance right i saw a video recently on this on this topic that talked about when you don't kill very deranged people uh, and as a general case there's a lot of really deranged people and there's a lot of really just bad people who end up killing people and usually the, the chaos and the suffering that the, I think it's statistically measured that the, the suffering and the chaos that they produce by having remaining in the world going out being rehabilitated just going out and murdering again ends up killing more people than you might potentially kill innocently if you were to uh, wrongly uh, euthanize somebody for a crime so like if it's an X number of people that die innocent like uh, unjustly like they were wrongly accused of something and they die that number I think was was uh, shown to be lower than the um, the the actual amount of of, uh, of victims that would occur from a person not being euthanized you know what I mean well to me it's just like even like if even if it's just one innocent person getting executed for the death penalty, like, they didn't commit the crime, like, yeah. that's too much. Like, I'd rather just lock that deranged person up if it means there's a chance that, you know, that the innocent people that are wrongly convicted can live. But when you don't 
kill the guy, then now you're opening up the chance that another innocent person is going to be killed by the guy. So it's, it's what if same. you block him away from everybody where you just... Well, yeah, you can do that. But the whole yeah. thing is that we live in a reality where when you don't have the death penalty, you end up getting more suffering and... Pe and, 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 and uh, I mean, I guess there could be a whole argument about people not being afraid to die and being more encouraged to do horrible things. But there's clear cases when you know someone's done something and you know someone's raped and murdered a whole family and set them on fire and you know this happened and the person pretty much fucking like confesses I think once you break the golden 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 rule of not killing in that morbid horrible way and it's known that you did it that, that, that it's justified to, 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 to remove you from existence because you're not bringing anything good into the world not even to yourself. Those people aren't happy. Well, I think if you lock someone up and you just isolate them from everybody, you're kind of putting them out of existence too. No, because then there's there's a risk that they'll get out or that they'll kill people in prison as well that, that are just normal people. And that you're leaving yeah. a risk in the world that I think is well, a greater thing risk. Is like, can you ever... Well, I mean, yeah, obviously there's cases where you, you do know 100%, but how do you... Like, how do you, like, sort that out? Like, oh, is there, th whether there's a chance? Yeah, I mean, I, that's, yeah. that's why we have juries. Like, but, I mean, you got to ask a, a legal expert about that because all, all I'm really arguing about is that I think it is reasonable to remove certain individuals from existence because their existence is going to be nothing but, but chaos in the world. And you can tell when those people exist. And, and how you tell, that's, I don't know. I'm not that smart. Um... And, well, and I, mean, I, I'm, do, I'm a little oh. I was convinced uh, I, I, I wish I could bring in a statistic but I was convinced at a certain point because I did hear uh, when you when you don't kill extremely disturbed inmates they end up killing more people than have statistically been measured to be wrongly uh, euthanized like that's a, a, a I'll, I'll find it maybe I can send you a link if I find it but I think that was a reality see well I'm a little uneasy yeah I'm a little uneasy about the the guy in Norway is going to be released in 21 years because that's you know that guy Brevik I think is the, the guy who shot like 77 people in Norway no, no, yeah he's, he's only getting 21 years uh, because that's the maximum sentence because their prison system focuses more like on rehabilitation which yeah. I agree with to a degree I think like most unless like the, those ex people that you're talking about they can't be real bit rehabilitated but I think for the most part like it I don't think prison the way it is now does anything to really like like I think more of a rehabilitation like yeah. for people like especially if they're just doing like a, if they did like a petty theft or drug a non-violent drunk yeah that that's a thing I, I think it was Norway actually that has heroin clinics and yeah. I, I was thinking that was a thing you were probably gonna agree with me on though is like yeah. non-violent drug it's yeah. way it's way better to to grab no, not not even to grab. Just, I don't know if it's by force, but having addicts get their supply in a safe way and and slowly kind of ease them out of it, than just have this tyrannical, chaotic mm -hmm. nightmare of a, of a of an underbelly, yeah. and have all those in, innocent really people involved yeah. in that. Yeah, and if there is one, like to me, objectively like systematic racist law in the United States, it's the drug laws because. Uh, it's more likely if a black person's caught with 
you know, marijuana, they're more likely to be put in prison than, you know, a white guy being caught with marijuana. So it, it's, it statistically, like, affects young black youth more. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if that's true, because I have, I have heard statistics that when you adjust for actual wealth level and, like, the type of neighborhoods that these people with weed are found in, then the disparity readjusts, meaning that the most of the of the black males, the young black males usually, who have been caught and arrested more likely uh, with weed is because, yeah, one factor is that they're black, but you're ignoring a lot of other factors that in general those people are also in, in low-income uh, places and high-crime areas. So cops are already uh, trying to, to clean, clean those places up as... Um, while you also have a, a big percentage. So you're arguing there's just more of a police presence there and that's why they're more likely to get caught. Yeah, that's that's a big fallacy that I think a lot of like Black Lives Matter people fall into yeah. where they see, oh, well, look at, uh, look at all these uh, cops shooting uh, black people down. It must be because they're black. But they're ignoring the statistical reality that it is that, that um, a great number, I don't know if it's mostly, but it's way more than, than white people, of, of black people are in high crime areas. And when you're inherent to being in a high crime area, so you're going to be uh, more harshly policed or you're going to be in more violent circumstances in general. More shitty things are going to happen to you. But it's easier to, to just look at your skin color and say, oh, it must be because of my skin color, not because I'm living in... Compton, you know. Well, I think the, there's a little bit of a thing with like uh, profiling, like because I know certain cops are trained to to profile, and sometimes you know innocent people who aren't doing anything get stopped. You know, I've I've, I've known people who've been stopped because uh, you know they were they were just black and just like walking and suspicious. Yeah. But uh, I'm sure that happens. Yeah. But I'm I'm sure that there's also a, a, a circumstance of confirmation bias because. If you're black and you get stopped for no reason, you say, oh, fuck, I was stopped for no reason, and I'm black. Come on. If you're a white guy and you get stopped for no reason, you say, oh, I got stopped for no reason. And you say, cops are kind of shitty. Yeah. But the black people who got stopped well, say, cops are racist. When I was younger, I did get stopped by cops a lot, but it, I, I knew it was because I had long hair and looked like a stoner. So that was well, it. Well, yeah, I guess there you go. <laughs> so I was being profiled, but it was like in a different... You get what I'm saying? What I'm saying is that every time... Uh, uh, a cop acts like an asshole around a, around a specific race. That race confirms their their belief that the cop is doing that because of their race, not because they're a shitty cop. But every time a shitty cop does anything to a non-oppressed group, and I guess, uh, then th that confirmation doesn't exist because it's just oh, it's one of those shitty cops. But we 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 don't put those cops in the same category. We don't say. Uh, a cop that mistreated a black person isn't a shitty cop. We make a separate category and we say this cop is a racist cop. And then every time we find an example of a shitty cop being shitty to a minority, we, we start adding that cop cop into the racist cop pile. And then that pile gets bigger purely because of confirmation. So, you, so you think that police brutality exists and like police abusing their... Uh, what, the bad cops exist that like abuse their... Whatever, yeah. I, I, I can't think of the word, but you don't think no. any of it's race-related? I, I think some of it has to be race-related, just inherently, because some people are actually racist. But I do, th I, I, I think I remember instances where I heard statistics, uh, reliable statistics. I know when you just throw away statistics without an actual source, it sounds like I'm just copying out of it. But that uh, 
it, 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 you're not actually more likely to be arrested as a black male if you adjust for socioeconomic and, and crime statistics, depending on your area, depending on your on your age as well, and depending. So you mean like a black guy living in a upper middle class yeah. neighborhood? If you if you actually but at the same time if like there's like a a black construction worker walks through say like an upper middle class white neighborhood there's sometimes like these you know it could be like some uh, like older white person who's maybe not as used to black people coming around like there's been cases like they call up and they say oh look there's a there's this black guy walking down the stairs call the cops even though yeah. they're not doing anything yeah. so I mean it could go I mean there's it could go both ways or, or, okay. yeah but I mean. I don't know how that that old guy being an idiot and calling the police is, can be labeled institutional racism or because uh, uh, institutional implies the institution itself has something written in its in its very structure that is wrong and and racist and and there's no evidence of any of that. What we have is uh, in, uh, anecdotes of injustices which are unjust most of the time. Some of the some of the really popular like. Uh, uh, hands up! Don't move! Hands up! Don't hold! Uh, like a lot of shoot uh, shootings of black people ha have been uh, wrongly uh, reported to have been unjust by the media, and then later on proved to have been reasonable. Like the cop actually was in their right to shoot that 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 dude, that black dude, but then the media never never really puts a lot of emphasis on the correction. So it is just known that cops kill black people. Cops kill black people. We don't get that that sometimes those black people are actually criminals and, and or we're doing something wrong in the procedure and, and the cop was defending themselves. Well, then the, then there's cases where it's like objectively, Rondo, like Philando Castle, or I think that's how you say his name, the guy who had who legally had a gun, and I think he was just showing like that he, they asked him if he had the gun. I forget the exact story, but then they just shot him, and he was like a school teacher. He wasn't a criminal. But the thing is, that happens with black people, and that happens with white people as well. And what you have to pull up is some kind of statistic that shows you that there's more unjust killings, unjust killings of, of black people, than there are unjust killings of white people. And I don't think there is any such statistic, because there is that isn't a reality. When the people are innocent, they don't get uh, killed more easily. I think it was actually the opposite, that the cops feel a little less afraid to, to shoot uh, uh, white uh, white people in in, in uh, settings of tension or that you're more likely to be shot I guess as, as a statistic you're more likely to be shot as a white person than a black person if you're innocent I think it was one statistic but, uh, fucking I might be wrong god damn it yeah. <laughs> yeah. well I guess we, we pretty much stretched out this topic oh, like, I, mean, I just I know I know somewhere in there I said something wrong or I said something in, in an incomplete way that I mean I don't know anybody that I know is going to listen to this but uh, they, they might come up thinking differently and that's that well, was that's my right, but I'm glad like we got it because it's not good to just you know I was I don't want to always just have like an echo chamber like talking to people have all the same views you know it's good yeah. to have uh, back and forths I guess yeah. there's not that much of that uh, yeah. Yeah, and usually, I mean, one of the one of the things with the uh, with uh, modern like PC culture, I hate saying saying that, but with PC culture that you're more shamed if you deny anecdotes than if you deny statistics. If 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 you just question someone's statistic, it's completely all right, and it kind of makes sense why this happens. But if somebody tells you an anecdote, like I was harassed by the police and I'm black, you're like. 
fucking you're right I'm sorry like you, you don't feel at all in the right place to argue against anything because they, they bring an emotional side to it and I think that's why a very feminine society has a proclivity to try to accommodate for anecdotes and for making a reality out of more feelings than what is actually happening statistically which is that there isn't actually a huge conspiracy and injustice towards black people in the police and there isn't uh, a lot of like huge white white male privilege and uh, uh, the mass killings mass shootings aren't as big of a problem as they are and they're not going to be solved in the way that you're proposing by any statistic or measure shown and it's just a lot of a lot of that and you said you don't feel like you could say any of this in school like uh... no because in normal conversation you are operating in the in the universe of feelings it's not really uh, a, when you talk to somebody it's emotive it's not really logical see i did i did notice um like it because he, he this one guy a friend of mine he didn't even say anything that controversial um i, I won't reveal too much because i don't want to like reveal him but he is yeah. like of a minority group and he like there was this feminist girl in the class um and i'm not saying like all feminists are like this this is like the bad yeah. stereotype that you know that the right wing mm -hmm. talks about but um she, like he just said something during his report about how he found the woman he did a book report of he found her attractive he mm -hmm. said she's pretty cute and then and then they all like jumped on him like you wow. sexist yeah. you this you that and then like like one day he was sick like he was sick out of the class and then she said oh good i'm glad he's sick like oh, <laughs> it's like all he did was he said that he thought the girl was wow. cute and then the meantime like she's she was being a hypocrite because we, we played this other video in class where there was these like big bulky construction guys and she's like oh those guys are hot uh -huh. i wouldn't mind cat calling if they were doing it so it's like <laughs> uh -huh. i mean yeah yeah what can you do yeah. and that's that's what happens when uh when you when you when you don't uh, kind of fight back in a way where it's everybody because in Chile if that happened everybody would be like shut up you're allowed to say you like like you like someone or that it's uh, or you're allowed to express sexuality in that more traditional not traditional but like yeah. crass not not even really crass if she, he just said oh she's cute you're allowed to say that as a heterosexual yeah. and you don't have to hide the fact that you're heterosexual and then you have sexual feelings but yeah. But like fucking gay people screaming that they want to suck cocks and, and gay pride parade, <laughs> that's completely okay. Um, and it should be, it should be free speech. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, oh yeah, and I know you wanted to clarify this and uh, another thing we did. Uh, you do not support Trump. Uh, I, I did not support Trump. And even if the way that I think now, if we were back in the election, I don't think I would support Trump because, uh, I mean, he's he's too fucking unstable and he doesn't actually have positions. Yeah. If, if he was actually a right wing guy, may, maybe I would say I, I support him because he would be a different person. But that's not the person he is. He yeah. is Trump. Well, you talk about freedom of speech. He said he wanted to, like, increase libel laws so he could sue journalists that criticize him. I think that's what's Well, I, I don't know. I don't know and about he, that. Well, but. and... Um, now, obviously, this is a freedom of speech that you and like a lot of people wouldn't agree with. I, I wouldn't. I think it's a counterproductive tag. I, I wouldn't do it. But he, he wanted to. He said he wanted to put people in jail for burning the American flag. Now, that's speech that offends. That to me, that's still free speech. Yeah. Like you said, yeah. yeah. So like so that's just there shouldn't <laughs> in the law in the law code in general there shouldn't be laws compelling certain behavior, uh, or I guess. 
uh, yeah, certain behavior that doesn't affect people in a, like that doesn't put people in danger. If you're burning an American flag, it's not actually doing anything. And yeah. it's clearly just a statement. Yeah. And you should be allowed to make statements. Yeah. That's all. And with the whole uh, Kaepernick thing, I know there's the whole thing with like the rules, the NFL, you're like, you're not supposed to, like if, if you're the NFL, you have to stand um, yeah. during the national anthem. Uh, you're not supposed to kneel. And I, to me, that was like, he was doing simple disobedience. He knew what the consequences would be. But it just makes me a little uneasy, like a president saying, that guy should be fired because he did something I don't agree with. Like, imagine if Obama said that, oh, I that guy should be fired because he supports capitalism, right? Yeah. The right wing would have been flipped yeah. out. I mean, <laughs> you, you can have your opinions about how that's culture, like, not standing during the anthem. I can think you're wrong. Like, yeah. you're coming, from, you're, you don't, you don't, you're not thinking this clearly. But uh, to actually enforce a specific culture, is that's the beginning of identity politics and that's yeah. the identity of and that's the thing like I, I think it's I feel like it's hard for people on the left to see it when like more liberal leaning I don't even call it like the Democrats liberal at all they're kind of actually they're pretty they're just social kind of, justice warriors well I, I don't even know if that because they're both kind of just like the Republican and the Democratic Party are kind of just the parties of big biz big like yeah. uh, big business and you know banks and wall street and yeah. wars the and the military that, industrial complex they perpetuate <laughs> themselves that's why yeah. they exist yeah but um i forget what point i was originally making something about the more lefty uh, yeah yeah they don't see standard. it if, uh, they don't see it if a, a liberal candidate's being tyrannical and the right doesn't see it if like yeah. donald trump's being tyrannical because yeah. alex jones running all that time like you know they're gonna put us in re-education camps and then and now he's saying like trump should arrest people yeah. who are communists like i don't i i don't i don't agree with communism but i think someone has a right to be a communist yeah. Honest, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the yeah. basic yeah. All right. Well, I think we had a good conversation. How long was this one? Just one hour exactly? What yeah, one hour and seven minutes. I mean, I could cut a little bit out, but I think okay. I kind of like the nice conversational feel. So yeah, how do you, how do you feel about this being out there? Like, uh, I mean, I'm I'm feeling pretty because I don't. I mean, no offense, but I, I'm not gonna advertise this. Like, and I'm not gonna post this on like Instagram. Say, oh, I just had a pot because I don't really, I don't really want. I guess I'm a little scared that. Hmm. That my family, my my, my friends so, are gonna listen to this. So what should I, what should I do? I mean, you you share it in all your spheres because pretty much all your spheres are not intersecting with mine. So I should just don't tag you. Uh, I mean, if you tag me, that doesn't show up to my friends, so I don't care. And put your full name. That's fine because people search you, they might find it. That's the thing. Yeah, I mean, all, all I really I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I wouldn't have gotten into all this if you didn't say like you wanted to, because I know you said you wanted to get into some of this. Like, yeah, I mean, they somebody would only find this podcast if if they went to my I guess Instagram profile, went to like tagged photos, and then saw me, uh, because they're not friends with you, so they just see that and they say, then they would have to click it, and then they would have to listen to the whole thing, and they don't even know who you are, so. They, they have very little incentive to actually do So maybe it. I'll keep it long so less people listen. <laughs> well, do what's best for your podcast. I'm yeah. sure that my 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 spheres that I don't that I don't want to destroy with anti PC shit. Uh, I'm sure that that's not going to intersect with yours. Hopefully, maybe. Okay. Yeah, do everything as you normally do it. All right, cool. And uh, well, I wanted to show like alternative. I like showing alternative perspectives, like sort of outside the mainstream. Hopefully, I express myself. Yeah. Right. 
And uh, and yeah, you're kind of just kind of doing his own thing, doing the music, all that stuff. To, any yeah. pages or anything people should look at as far as your jazz drama? Oh, well, my my Instagram uh, is really where where I'm putting things that I'm doing. I'm I'm not at a professional level of anything yet. We say a lot of artists don't have these views, right? Like our oh my god! I mean, yeah, it's just the creative field. I think maybe because it's more associated with emotions and 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 sensitivity more sensitive and emotional people are there so if you if you say something that sounds insensitive they're gonna react more strongly to it but yeah all right thanks man cool yeah should we shake hands